0: please write us at feedback at aviationcareerspodcast.com. Maybe you have an announcement about an upcoming event. As a matter of fact, the next person we're going to talk to does have a big announcement for a big upcoming event. But uh, but before we get begin, just uh, a quick word from our sponsor. Uh, it's actually the Scholarships Guide here at Aviation Careers Podcast. And we offer many different courses, but the Scholarships Guide I want to mention because there are so many people that don't realize there's scholarships for everybody, no matter what age, uh, what group you're in, in as far as uh, location, countries even. We're starting to put more countries in there starting to put more from Canada, et cetera. Uh, But check it out, aviationcareerspodcast.com, the courses. We're also adding courses for, like, interview prep. The other question I get a lot about is, you know, I look out there and you have coaching, but how about the interview preparation? We don't actually have a separate course for that right now. We're going to develop that, but it's basically the same thing. There's just a couple things that I ask you to do. Uh, when you get ready for the interview prep. I want to know the airline. I want to see your resume. I want to uh, look at all your social media profile, et cetera. So go out there and check that out. Anyway, on to the show. You know, since the new ruling for the ATP, uh, we actually – or excuse me, that uh, new 1,500-hour rule for the ATP being an airline pilot and all, you can't – remember before you could be a commercial pilot. Now you actually have to have your ATP. And uh, so to get to that point, to get to those 1,500 hours, a lot of folks are, you know, flying – jobs that aren't really w- real world IFR flying that you would find in the airlines, are doing like banner tow and stuff like that. Um, but that doesn't really directly translate into the flying world as an airline pilot. So uh, I'm seeing this often within my coaching is that I need to help people move into that realm. And usually what I tell them to do is jump into a simulator and get up there and, and get in the real world And do some flying. Well, real-world flying is usually in the airplane, but as you'll find out, that's not totally true. Simulators have really made a huge jump forward. So we're having this issue, and and we're trying to solve this. And and one of the ways we can do that is really hitting the simulators hard, procedures, etc. Tell you what, when I went to the airlines... I actually, because I knew I was going to be flying in Mexico, we were the largest carrier in mexico u s carrier in Mexico, so I had to get used to all these d m e arcs. so what I did is I went to the simulator at the school I was working for, one of the benefits of being at working at a school they give you free sim time, and I did d m e arcs and I got ready for my training and man, I just did a great job in the training because of the fact that I really you know prepared for it. But, you know, simulators are something that I, I know a little bit about. I know about the big simulators. I know about simulators that uh, we have at the schools, the Redbirds and things like that. I'm really starting to get into them more as far as from a teaching aspect from the person that's running the sim. Uh, again, it's been years because nowadays it's really changed. But, you know, to discuss simulators and the benefits that many enthusiasts receive from the use of simulators is Evan Ryder. He's, he's the co-founder of Flight Sim Expo and this is a really successful sim expo it's for both the enthusiast but also for the pilot for the person that's the hobbyist and also for the professional pilot you know you're, you're gonna find as like I have from doing some research on the flight sim expo that simulators really truly have come a long well hey uh, Evan welcome to Aviation Careers podcast it's awesome having you on man
1: well, thanks so much for having me, Carl.
0: Hey, you know, uh, we met up actually at Sun and Fun and uh, it was like, hey, let's get together and uh, have you on the podcast. Uh, I looked at the Flight Sim Expo and it's like, I think uh, some people's perception, it's it's all about gaming. And now this is, this is uh, some really serious enthusiasts, but uh, also a lot of professionals out there, aren't there?
1: Absolutely, yeah. And a lot of people we're seeing more and more who are realizing what a value add this is to their training, whether it be for just a private license or an instrument rating, or if they're looking to go professional one day, like you said.
0: Well, before we talk about the expo, Evan, I know that you are an avid aviator, both from the simulator side, but also uh, flying airplanes. So uh, tell us a little bit about your background. I mean, you, you are truly a passionate aviator.
1: Yeah, that's, that's absolutely right. Maybe too much so if there can be such a thing. <laughs> Never. I, so yeah, like, I agree. Uh, simulation has kind of been a big part of my life now for the past, I'm mean, going to say, 15 years and has really changed uh, the direction of. Where things went for me, go back to 2014. So almost exactly five years ago now, I'm working an office job. Funnily enough, where our office building was, we actually looked out on a small GA airport. And so most of the time, I was just looking out the window, watching cessnas take off and land. And you know, it's quite the inspiration when you're sitting there doing that. At the time, I had a private license, I had a business degree. And was working a relatively good job. But, you know, it just isn't the same as flying. And so many nights and so many days that I had in the simulator at home, whether it be operating uh, a Beechcraft Baron and doing some slant alpha IFR work, or whether it was, you know, flying a 737 around on VATSIM and just enjoying and thinking about the lifestyle it could be, kind of all that together pushed me into the decision I made back in 2014 to quit my job, move halfway across the country, go out and get a commercial license, and, you know, five years later, here I am on the right seat of an Embraer 175. So it's been quite a, an interesting couple of years and simulation not only to play a big factor in the training and getting myself to this point, but it was probably the impetus for actually pushing over that leap and making the switch from being in business and kind of working an office job to being able to do something I really am passionate about and love.
0: So the simulation actually is what uh, made you get your start. And interestingly enough, um, my start was in models, but also simulators. Back in the, and this is going back a while, back in the 80s, the late 80s, it was all monochrome screens and you could do a, a Microsoft Flight Simulator was brand new. It was really cool stuff, but compared to today, it sure, right. it sure is different, but I loved it back then. And, uh, and that's what happened. Someone said, hey man, you can actually fly one of those things. I was like, no, not me. And that's how, how I got into it. It's, it's kind of cool because you're seeing more and more people get into this because of the fact that there are flight sims out there. Um, one of the things, though, is that there's there's many different aspects to this. So there's there's the enthusiast who's the, the sim enthusiast. There's the person who's the the enthusiast as far as flying airplanes. And then there's the professional. And I think the really cool thing is that it hits on all three. I mean, you meet people in all different realms, don't you?
1: Yeah, absolutely. And it's it's kind of a progression. So you see a lot of people that do what I did when they're in high school or they're in college and they might you – know, I remember back when I was in first year of college, I would literally like start a flight, leave it at cruise, go do a couple classes – come back and land and it was just like that was kind of a neat thing to do and you'd try to recreate a real world flight and you'd listen to live ATC and take off exactly when it did and just totally nerd out and then you know that kind of transitions into now this became a tool for me to use when I was getting my private license and then later on the commercial and the instrument rating and today you know I like to think that I'm able to give back a little bit to the community that was so helpful to me and help to continue to build those networks and connections between people just exactly like what you're doing.
0: Well, thanks, and I, I think it's terrific that you're doing that, and, and uh, we really appreciate that. Um, you know, let's go back to the airline training, and, uh, and then we'll talk a little bit about uh, your event that you have coming up. You know, I, I'm not sure if you're privy to this, if you're in the training aspect of it, but we are having uh, issues in airline training with basic instrument skills, and we had this back— uh, in the '90s, the late '90s, 2000s, that area where we were hiring people so quickly that people couldn't do climbs, descends, turns, mm-hmm. intercepting, tracking, that type of thing. Have you uh, seen any of this at the say the airline that you work for?
1: Yeah, it's it's interesting. We fly such a highly automated aircraft in the Embraer, and the way that historically my airline has operated has been so driven by automation that just even a basic hand-flying skill on a VFR day. So just shooting a basic instrument approach without the flight director or the autopilot for a while there might have been, and probably still is for some people, uncomfortable. And we're slowly starting to realize that if we don't hand-fly the airplane a little bit more often than we had been, there's going to be problems down the line when something doesn't work or the autopilot is MEL'd or you need to take control in a, say, TCAS RA type situation. So we're seeing a lot more of a trend in the training that we're doing toward a little bit more hand flying, a little bit less use of the automation, and this to your point as well, a little bit more work on being able to just get back to those fundamental basic instrument skills. I think the other one that's a challenge for a lot of people to, especially folks who came up with training maybe not so much in the like atp world where everything is brand new but if you did your training like me in a 1970s cessna you've only had six packs your whole life so you know six pack gauges going from that to a McDo or fms or whatever you want to call it into a full glass cockpit you know that's a hugely different style of flying
0: You know, I'm glad you brought that up because that is a tough transition. It seems like going from an electronic flight display over to, you know, a six-pack sometimes is a little bit easier. It seems that transition. Um, But um, that kind of leads me into my next point where people are having issues transitioning from... A six pack you know to the glass, and i 'm not talking pilots that have just a thousand or two thousand hours there are people with thousands of hours out there that are having issues with a transition when we transitioned at the airline I was at to glass. Boy, there was a lot of a lot of angst, and there were some people that actually didn't make it through that training. But with having a simulator and having the ability to actually practice as much as you can in the glass, I think that really would have benefited the person uh, that is looking to move into that on a professional level. But but also uh, the hobbyist, or the, by the hobbyist, I mean the person that's flying, you know, recreationally as a pilot, like they have their instrument rating or their private pilot. Another point that you made, I think, that's really important is uh, and we're going to get into this is that the simulators are not just for instrument flying these days it's it's also for VFR isn't it
1: yeah i mean certainly i think just just to touch on the, the FMS piece and the the workload piece that you just talked about you know, whether it's IFR VFR whatever the conditions are if you're, say, you know, flying a flight on VATSIM or Pilot Edge, which are the big online aviation networks where you are probably flying into a busy event, there are going to be hundreds of airplanes around you. There's going to be 20 or 30 air traffic controllers you're going to talk to in a short period of time. You know from flying professionally. What we do takes two people, takes a heck of a lot of training, and takes a... Uh, very large amount of technology, we're asking people who don't have any of those things to be able to operate an advanced airliner by themselves, single pilot in this really high demand workload environment. So I don't even think it matters what the conditions are outside. And it doesn't matter what you're flying, just being able to do that, even if you fly a 172 on a weekend basis, that type of experience, dealing with busy frequencies, with realistic controllers who are demanding to via and speed restrictions and all those things we see every day in real life, I think that benefits you tremendously as a pilot, even if you're just out there putting around on a VFR day or you're going to go up in a 172 and do some stalls.
0: I think those are all great points. I'm glad you brought those up because – you know, the simulators that we have these days, the VATSIM that you're talking about, air traffic control simulators. Um, you mentioned another term, a TCAS RA, and for the new people, that's a, uh, it's, it's a terrain collision avoidance, traffic and collision avoidance software, and the RA means that it's a resolution advisory, and that's when we actually have to hand fly the plane that says we have a conflict or we're about to hit somebody basically and we have to maneuver. Some people uh, don't get to do that very often. Thank God we don't get to do it too often. We do those in the simulators at work. But you can also do those in the simulator at home. There's many different types of simulators out there, different budgets, etc. But I tell you what, I always keep saying on this podcast that you need to get out there and do some sim training, whether it's on your own at a flight school, etc. But personally, I I am not one that has a vast amount of knowledge on the personal simulators, and I'm starting to learn about those things and trying to bring forth those to some of my audience here. And that's another reason I'm bringing Evan here, but there's something that Evan brought up and there's this really cool thing that I, is kind of somewhat intimidating, so I'm going to have Evan kind of to make me relax. There's a thing called the Flight Sim Expo, which Evan was a big part of putting that together. He's one of the co-founders, and, uh, and this is something that I was kind of looking at going to, but it's like, is some newbie like me going to be welcome at this type of an event?
1: Yeah, well, absolutely. In fact, this year specifically, you're the type of newbie that we're looking for. We've made a real push this year in trying to bring this technology and bring this sort of thinking to GA pilots, to student pilots, or just to regular enthusiasts. As you know, we have a huge pilot shortage not only in North America – But across the world, there just isn't that same drive to go into flying as there was. And probably a big part of that is looking back 20 years at what the pay and what the lifestyle at the regionals was. Unfortunately, we don't have to live that anymore. So on account of that, we think that if we can get people who are in middle school, high school, getting ready to decide what they want to do with their lives, instead of having them spend... 10 hours a week doing first-person shooter games. Let's have them spend a couple of hours flying, whether it be in an airliner, whether it be on a carrier doing some fighter jet operations, or whether it be in a 172 trying to practice for some maneuver they have upcoming. Let's get them thinking about flying as a career younger. And it's going to be something they start as a game, and they think, oh, this is kind of fun. And maybe like me and maybe like you, they think, you know, I actually could probably do this for real one day. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, and that that right there is the greatest inspiration for me to get involved is, is if there's some way that I could introduce this to other people but not spend $200,000 on a simulator, that would be awesome. And with that, I want something that's actually going to look nice, sound nice, and be a good training tool. And uh, Evan, I, I think that that's a possibility and you can find out this information at the, the Flight Sim Expo, but um, to put a little more color on that, You don't have to be a millionaire to build a SIM in your house, do you?
1: No, I mean, you can have benefits out of literally buying any old laptop and grabbing a joystick and a headset. And, you know, is it going to look fantastic? Probably not. It's not going to run all that fantastically. But as I said before, what you will get out of it is the sort of muscle and mental memory of doing some of this stuff. So if you are thinking one day about going to the airlines, you know, think about, Carl, how long it would have taken you when you were doing your airline training, probably sitting in front of a computer to learn the, we'll just call it an FMS, use a generic term, use the FMS with a box, as we call it, right? We mm-hmm. spent like at least a day and a half, all we did was just sitting there programming the box. Well, I've already done that. I was flying, quote unquote, flying a 737 in my own home simulator for so many years, I could probably still program the entire airplane from cold and dark and take it and go flying. And I've never actually had a day of airline training. So when I stepped into the Embraer, I mean, there's a little bit of different logic, but the concepts are all the same. So when the instructor is there showing us how to program the box for the first time, I'm thinking, okay, that's like that in Boeing. That's like that in Boeing. And here I've never actually been in the Boeing, except for you know in the back as a passenger. So that's really what this this whole show is designed to do, is to show you that it can be as easy as that, and it can be as expansive as... $20 $20 million full motion Boeing 737 simulator in an apartment in Manhattan, which a friend of mine owns. I think for most wow. people, though, you know, you'd know, you be looking at 1500 to $3,500, and you'd be very happy with a desktop computer, a couple of monitors, probably a yoke or a joystick and a set of pedals, and a bunch of different add-ons. And you'd have a really nice experience whether you wanted to fly the airliners, whether you wanted to fly GA or a mix of both. And the whole point of this show is to take people through exactly what that looks like. So we've got at Flight Sim Expo 2019 in Orlando a series of seminars called At-Home Flight Simulation. And they are designed for someone who's never seen this stuff before, who's thinking about getting into it, or maybe who has a simulator now, but just isn't really sure what to do with it or what they can do to take it to the next level. And so we'll be talking about why would you do this stuff? You know, how does it benefit you? We're talking about how step-by-step... You'd go about doing this. You know, Do you buy a new computer? Do you upgrade what you have? What do you do for hardware? Then we'll be covering online aviation. How do you get connected? What are the benefits of it? And we've actually got a first officer from one of the regionals who's going to be talking about some of these concepts I just mentioned around flying online at VATSIM, operating single pilot, checklists, CRM, those types of concepts, and how even though you may not be flying a 737 in real life, those same concepts can benefit you, whether you are flying as a ga weekend warrior in real life or whether you just want to spend some time doing something that has your mind engaged and you're being social as opposed to you know a first person shooter or something like that we're we're really you know, you're not getting anything out of that from a learning or an educational perspective
0: well gosh you got me sold so when when is this event
1: June 7th, 8th, and 9th, Renaissance Orlando, just located near SeaWorld there in Orlando, which is obviously one of the best places Mm -hmm. in the U.S. to visit. So much to do there, whether you're just going to be hanging around the conference. You've got just across the street, International Drive, where we can see every possible type of attraction from 3D and IMAX movies to climbing walls, everything else you can imagine between. Of course, you've got Disney World Universal, some of the shopping in the country. I mean, there's stuff for everyone. So
0: if uh so this isn't your first year. If you're someone that's on the say the West Coast, do you have also expos over there?
1: Yeah, this is our second year. So we did our first one up uh, almost a year ago now in Las Vegas. That was our inaugural event. We had one thousand one hundred people attend, which is fantastic to see that level of support from the community here in the United States. And this will be the second one in Orlando. And this whole event is driven around community feedback. So Orlando was voted by our past attendees and by folks on social media as the location for this year's event we did a similar poll just a couple of months ago now trying to determine 2020 and i'm in the process of visiting some sites both on the west coast and in the midwest as well so we'll see where we end up in 2020 but we would encourage people to try to make the trip as best they can you know it's it's probably not the kind of event where you want to say i'll just wait for it to come to me there's only so many cities we can do this in just because of some economic factors, you need to look for a big, you know, big sort of convention tourist town. So Orlando, Vegas, you know, those are the kinds of places we're going to see. So we would encourage people, we have folks coming from around the world. We have exhibitors coming from China, from Europe, from Asia, South America. So you have all these sponsors and all these exhibitors who are coming out and making the trip. And yeah, I mean, I recognize Flying can be expensive depending on where you're coming from, but there's so many options now, so many low costs, we really encourage people from wherever they are in the country to make the trip. And for those who can't, there'll be lots of opportunity to see the content online, there'll be video streaming, all that kind of stuff going on as well. So there's really no excuse not to be involved.
0: Well, hopefully I'll be involved. I, I definitely want to show up as media, but you have some amazing sponsors there. For the person that's uh, actually in training now, you'll you'll hear some of these. Uh, Redbird, <laughs> Glime is there. Uh, we have uh, you know Elite Simulators, a lot of different other training organizations, NATCA, the National Air Traffic Controllers Association. All these folks are out there, and they're sponsors. And some are exhibitors, some are uh, media sponsors like LiveATC.net and our friends over there. There are just so many folks that are involved in this. And hats off to you for putting this together I think this is this is really really cool it's and this is the type of event that I'm really excited about because it it kind of turns the tide on thinking too. From somebody like myself who is into the, the professional aviation and, and moving people towards career goals in professional aviation. And uh, and this is something that I can highly recommend. Uh, if anybody's in the Orlando area or can get to Orlando, definitely uh, check it out. So, uh, oh, and how much would it be to actually get in? Do you have a, a price on the tickets to get in?
1: Yeah, registration's open right now at www.flightsimexpo.com. It's $70 for the weekend that includes a conference goodie bag with a whole bunch of discounts it includes free drinks and appetizers during our social on Saturday night free coffee in the mornings and on top of that you also get a free 6 month membership to the EAA Experimental Aircraft Association which is really exciting because that means if you're thinking Oshkosh you get the benefit of being a member when you go along with access to like 300 museums and i think there's six editions of their magazine that you get all for free all included with your flight some expo registration so when you talk about training organizations, we're excited to announce that EAA is going to be there. Just as of yesterday, we confirmed that Robert Jex, who was also down at Sun of Fun in Orlando there, head of the FAA safety team in Orlando, is doing a WINGS presentation. So for pilots who are part of the WINGS program looking to get credits, you can do that at Flight Sim Expo now, all included in that same registration rate, and obviously a whole lot more.
0: And hopefully you see me there, grab me if you see my my aviation careers podcast, or I may even be doing it for son of fun radio i 'm not sure yet and that if that 's true i 'll be there in the orange shirt <laughs> hard to miss uh, this is This is really you know the more I look at it, the more excited I get about this event because of the fact that it really is something that brings everybody together and it 's also something if you 're into aviation. Uh, it actually could be a cool little side hobby, too, is getting into the the simulators, because I am um, sure, and you could speak towards this, there's probably a lot of, like, airline pilots and professional pilots, commercial, uh, you know, any type of uh, corporate, et cetera, that are probably involved with this.
1: Yeah, it's amazing the people that you meet, and every year at this show, it's it sort of feels like it's the holidays for me, because I see folks that I basically see once a year they're like my good friends we all go out we have drinks we all share this same passion for aviation and so even if you're coming on your own for the first time you're going to meet people there who share your passion it's so easy to talk to anybody you can kind of walk up to anyone and be like hey you're an aviation geek me too and all of a sudden you know there you go and so whether it be because you're looking to get into the Airlines, I mean, there's going to be so many airline pilots who are there. I was just telling you earlier that from my online flying, the amount of networking connections that I've made, I could easily introduce people to a pilot or someone else who works in ops at all the major US airlines. I work with several of them in virtual online controlling every single day. So a whole bunch of us are going to be there. We have Lyft Academy from Republic who will be there. And we're seeing much more interest from the regionals and from the airlines and events like this. So it's a great opportunity, as you just say, to network with people who are flying for a living. And I mean, there's a huge GA community, about 50% of our attendees are pilots. So that's about 500 certificated pilots walking around the floor at our event last year in Vegas. And you can expect that'll be even bigger numbers this year
0: and that networking is so important you know going back to what i i say on the show is you really need to go to air shows you need to go to the places where there's airplanes and uh one thing i really haven't stressed enough is these type of events is the online simulators and getting out there and getting into the enthusiast community because there are so many folks that are out there especially airline pods you'd be surprised how many folks out there, airline pilots have some amazing simulators in their, in their homes? I mean, I'm sure, Evan, you've probably seen a few of them.
1: Oh, yeah, absolutely. And again, you know, I I know guys who fly for the airlines that say maybe fly the Airbus, but they have a Boeing 737 simulator at home because they want to do something different or people who are on the regionals who will fly wide bodies and stream it for others in the community to watch. I think just there's so many of us that are so passionate about aviation that even though we do it full time, for some reason, we can't get enough of it.
0: And that's what's cool about this whole aviation world is most people are incredibly passionate about it. And, and you're, running, you're running into the people that are really positive thinkers. That's something I like about these type of events, whether it's air shows. I've never been to this type of an event, but I'm sure it's similar to the air shows where the people that are there love the flying that they're doing. And uh, you don't hear as much negativity like you do on all the forums saying how horrible flying is and stuff like that. Uh, these yeah. are the people that are really promoting it.
1: Yeah and I think the pilots that you meet who are also in simulation are those same types of people. I'm sure Carl you've worked with with people in your professional flying who just, for whatever reason, you know, you wonder why they got into this because they're so miserable with their lives. Everything is a problem. You're complaining about this, that, and the other thing. Well, when I talk to a simmer who's also an airline pilot, they're always the most positive and the most exciting people. Just, just yesterday, actually, I was controlling on VATSIM and I was talking to a KLM aircraft. Well, it turns out that in real life, he's a first officer at a major Canadian airline as well. So we just, just we're just chatting and, you know, he and I are both just, we're talking about skills Schedules, But it's a really positive conversation. And it's like, I get this layover coming up. And, you know, we're talking about like the fun things about aviation. We're talking about how much we love it. And you don't see that everywhere in this industry. And I think you're right that when you come to an event like this, you get the real people who are truly passionate about aviation, who are doing it not for the paycheck, but because they actually enjoy what they do. And that just makes the entire experience so much more enjoyable.
0: Well, like heck! If that's uh, gonna be the case, I'm going. I mean, for seventy dollars, you can join EAA for six months. You can. You got Oshkosh coming up, and uh, you'll hopefully get to see me there this year. And I, I jokingly say that because there's a curse of Oshkosh for me. I've never been able to make it yet. Um, but this that this whole the, the, the flight to Expo, excuse me, is one of those events that I, I definitely want to get into. It's something I want to get back into. My my fear, though, from a personal standpoint, is I might like it too
1: much. yeah that definitely that definitely could be a problem and we we've seen that from before i think some people might think that i have that same issue so we won't won't talk about that too much you
0: know evan before we actually kind of conclude here there's a couple things that i think people don't realize about simulators especially old guys like me who you know were flying simulators in the 80s just just in the say like the past 10 years there's there's been an incredible leap in simulator technology. We know that as airline pilots, but there's also been an incredible leap, leap uh, within this community, uh, within the enthusiast community. Um, can you touch on like some of those that you might be able to think of off the top of your head?
1: Yeah, I mean, certainly flights and expo has been the place where new technology gets announced and where people can get their hands for the first time on some of this stuff. So to talk a bit about what's coming up at our show next or just this summer. We have for the first time ever, a new yoke that's going to be on sale. It's actually something that has never been on sale before. Last year at our event, Set of rudder pedals that was brand new out of Thrustmaster came by. We're seeing a lot more virtual reality technology coming in. So, when we were doing, you know, when I was getting into simulation, we had Microsoft Flight Simulator 10, so this would have been maybe 10 years ago. We wouldn't even think about virtual reality, that wasn't even a concept. So, people are there spending all kinds of money on these instrument panels and these large displays. And don't get me wrong, they're still pretty cool. But now, you can actually just buy a virtual reality headset, and you don't even really need a computer. You don't even need a monitor. You can actually get the full experience of being in a 737 flight deck, and all you're doing is just sitting staring at a wall, which I think is really neat. When I was first getting into simulation – so this would have been back in like 2008 or 9. And then, you know, a couple of years later, Microsoft Flight Simulator 10, which was really the only platform that you would see in use, had been discontinued by Microsoft. And so there was a lot of concern within the industry that this was going to be a dying hobby and that you really weren't going to see much investment. But now in the past three or four years, we see X-Plane with their most recent X-Plane 11 We see Prepared, which is offered by Lockheed Martin, and on a most – I think they just released a version a couple of days ago. We have simulators like Infinite Flight for mobile that are incredibly high fidelity and that have some training benefit. So the way technology has gone in the past 10 years, we've seen almost nothing happening. And nowadays, we're in a total revival of the industry where it's getting cheaper and cheaper to be able to own a really high-end computer and where you don't have to be spending on a whole lot of hardware peripherals because virtual reality is taking over. And I actually tried a VR headset for the first time, not at my own show because I was too busy, but at one of these shows in the U.K., in October of last year. And it's absolutely incredible. I mean, when you go from looking at a computer screen where you can't necessarily see in your periphery to being able to just turn your head and you can look out the left window, it just makes such a difference when you're flying VFR close traffic or you want to shoot a visual approach from a downwind. It's a totally different experience. And as I said, you don't necessarily need to be worried about panels and about hardware because you can actually get that same experience just by looking at it
0: that's a that is so cool because of the fact that we think that we can only get that from a 20 million dollar simulator you can get that at home that that is that's amazing. And that that's one of those big leaps, I think, in technology. I got to use VR for the first time. Uh, flying, oh my gosh, you're right. I mean, be able to just move your head is incredible. The other part of this, and I think we didn't really touch on it too much, we mentioned a few times, is VATSIM and air traffic control. Uh, you mentioned in the beginning, you know, this is something else that's important for our, our training. You're going to find out much information about those Different ways that you can integrate your your simulator into the air traffic control "quote unquote" system online. That seems like it's a difficult thing in my mind to do, but uh, but I, I from what I get from you and some other people, it really isn't that hard, is it?
1: Well again, you know we 're going to have that series on at home flight simulation happening on Sunday at Flight Sim Expo, and Sebastian, who is a VATsim controller who also runs uh, one of those centers where you can actually go and fly like a seven hundred thirty seven full motion simulator, he's going to be there talking about how do you get connected to VATsim how hard is it really and the answer is it's actually getting much easier and in fact it's very easy when I started. It was like a complicated process. You had to like plug in IP addresses and you had to go through uh, you know, what felt like 17 hours worth of setup. Nowadays, we have uh, at Boston Virtual Air TCC, which is a group that I'm part of on VATSIM, we have a getting started guide. And you can go through it in about 45 minutes. It takes you through every single step that you need to do to configure your computer, to get the software installed, to do the downloads. And once you have that one-time setup done, literally all you're going to do is boot up your flight simulator exactly as you would do if you were flying in single player you open one program and click connect and that's all there is to it and the benefits of it are tremendous whether it be for actual flying skill or whether it be for the networking piece that i was talking about earlier and in terms of flying it's the difference between you getting into a simulator say at your local fbo or flight school and the instructors behind you not using proper phraseology and telling you exactly what you're expecting versus you're on an online world where there's other people, they make mistakes, They are talking to other airplanes at the same time as they're talking to you. Maybe you've asked them for a hold clearance, but unlike the instructor's hold clearance, midway through they have to change it because there's traffic, or you get a climb or a descent, or the controller is talking to you about this or that. It's the real world as opposed to a sterile world of a flight school. And then again, the other piece to it for people who wanted to get in the industry or even just for private pilots is the networking. I mean, most of the friends that I have now in various cities across the U.S are people that I've met through flight simulation and through online aviation. We have like five or six of us are coming over to my apartment and we're all going to control live in an event in a couple of weeks. And one guy's coming from South Carolina, one guy's coming from Detroit, one guy's coming from Denver. You know, Travel benefits help, of course. But it's just really neat when you, especially with the jobs that we're in, where I can basically fly to a city and I'm on a layover and I'm like, hey man, you in town today? Let's grab a beer. You know, there's so many interesting networking opportunities you get. So especially if you're looking to go into a career in aviation, you'll find that you're flying around or controlling on VATSIM or PilotEdge or one of the other networks, and way more people than you might think are professionals in the industry.
0: For someone who's working their way up in the industry right now, and they're looking at the new rules about uh, staying current, say they're the, that person that actually is flying uh, the banner tow, is building hours, but they also want to be IFR current. I know some of the rules have changed. Is there going to be something there that uh, at the event that will explain to me uh, about using the ATDs and whether I can set something like that up at my house, et cetera? Are we, am I going to learn that?
1: Yeah, I think you'll be able to – To be a great question to ask Robert Jex, who's putting on that FAA wing seminar on Sunday afternoon. He deals with – he's been involved with flight training in Central Florida now for over 20 years, formerly was a commanding officer in the Navy. So he'd be able to certainly talk to a lot of that. And then there will be a number of exhibitors there. So Redbird, as you already mentioned, Elite are a couple of names that come to mind for people who span both the professional flight training – avenue as well as offering stuff for the individual enthusiast groups so they can certainly talk about some of the benefits of getting an ATD that's a level whatever it is I forget the four levels of them now but the ones that you can actually count towards your training account towards your currency and then the ones that are more based on proficiency but not necessarily loggable and it's funny because as I said before my view is that you actually get more value out of flying a 737 at home in prepared or X-Plane on VATSIM than I think you do if you go to your local FBO and you get into a 172 Redbird simulator and all you do is look at the inside of a cloud for an hour. I just don't see that as being valuable because it doesn't feel like the airplane. You don't get the same experience of being tossed around in IMC. You're not really able to deal with icing because you can't see the wings. That That's not what we're trying to teach in simulators. What we're trying to teach in simulators is how do I read an instrument approach, plate and actually fly it? How do I deal with air traffic control interrupting me in the middle of trying to count out my minute and my hold? Those are the types of things that we can benefit from. And so one of the other things that myself and Phil, who's the co-founder of Flight Sim Expo, are working on kind of behind the scenes is to bring more people from the FAA and bring more people in training to come out to these events and say, look guys, the Redbird Sims that are in the And the FBOs, those are wonderful and great that those can be logged. But it's time for us to start thinking about at-home flight simulators as something that can be loggable as well. And we actually are starting to see the FAA at least talk about that a little bit more. They did an article in one of their safety magazines a couple – I think it was about a year ago now – that talked a lot about Pilot Edge and X-Plane and different simulators that you can use at home. And the message from the FAA is starting to be, yeah, you can't log it. But in terms of your proficiency, in terms of your training, and maybe not necessarily the legal version of currency, but how often you're thinking about this stuff, the at-home simulator is becoming much more prevalent in the FAA's writing. So we think that there's going to be a more of a shift toward supporting that in the future. We'll see what that looks like, but certainly we're seeing the FAA get a lot more interested in this event, and we're excited to see that the FAA is going to be involved again this year.
0: Well, Evan, you truly are a trailblazer as far as that's concerned and what you're doing with the the Flight Sim Expo and everything else in the simulator training environment uh, and just keeping us proficient. Uh, you know, I know for myself, I have hundreds of hours in simulators that I've never logged and it's made me a better pilot period. Uh, and you're going to find out more about that, especially at the flight sim expo. But if you can't go there and you want to find out more, there's ways to do that. Of course, there's FlightSimExpo.com, but they have some really a, a cool YouTube channel. And I think there might be a few of those things that might be, uh, online that you'll be able to watch. Is that true, uh, Evan?
1: Yeah, there's some content there from our 2018 event in Vegas. So people kind of wanted to get a feel for what to expect, that gives you a sense. And we've made a big investment this year in live streaming and in video recording. So we're going to have all of the seminars video recorded in high definition available online on our YouTube channel pretty soon after our event in Orlando. Of course, nothing is like actually being there in person, but for those who can't make it, I definitely would recommend following us on YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, and all that so you can keep current. So we do have a mailing list as well that you can be part of. And for those who can make it, I should mention as well that Beyond what we've already talked about with your registration rates, we've really worked hard to make this an accessible show. So we've got flight discounts with Delta, Southwest, and WestJet. We've got up to 30% off rental cars, depending on who you use. Shared shuttles make it easy to get to and from the hotel. And then there are over 50 attractions, restaurants, resorts – and other things that you can do that you get a discount on with your flights and Expo badge. So it's a great opportunity to bring the family down for a weekend or for a couple of days in Orlando. We've got discounts, so whether you're going to the theme parks, there's an ice bar, escape room, indoor skydiving, and I think it's like 70 or 80 restaurants that you get a discount at with your flights and Expo attendee badge. So we're really trying to make this an event where you can get to, because it's just not the same when you look at it online. You get the presenter talking, but you don't get that networking value of meeting people and being able to actually sit down and say, do I like this yoke better? Do I like this yoke better? Do I like explain better or prepared better? Did I want to set up what this guy has going on or do I like what this guy has going on? And that's another neat part of the conference is that we've got people who are actually bringing their real home sims to the show. So it's not necessarily like you're trying out some expert vendor's multi-million dollar computer. It's actually a person's own computer, and they're bringing it to the show, and you can see exactly what they use when they're online simming.
0: Well, I tell you, I really highly recommend anybody going to this event. By the way, if you're listening to this podcast because you're interested in a career, don't forget to keep bringing a business card with you. Uh, I know there's yeah. uh, any of these events you'd think you're going to be, gonna be a, bring a resume, but make sure they know how to get in touch with you because, like you said, that, that whole networking is so important.
1: Yeah, I think that's absolutely right. And for people, I didn't know this. I met them at Sun and Fun. Have you heard of Lyft Academy, by the way?
0: Oh yeah, yeah.
1: This stuff is really like I had no idea, but you can basically cool? go from zero, and you can get your licenses, and then be a CFI with them, and then have a guaranteed job at a regional. Like that's incredible. I wish that existed when I started.
0: Yeah, it sure has changed, hasn't it? And they're going to be at the expo.
1: Yeah, exactly. So it just like it's it's amazing how much easier it is to get in the industry now. I mean, I'd probably. Carl, it was the same for you, but I had to go fly Navajos and King Airs up in the bush for a while to get enough hours and to get enough experience where the airlines would be interested. And I just was talking to a friend of mine, again, who I know through flight simulation, who is on flying a Dash 8 for a Canadian regional and has 250 hours. So it's amazing how life has changed in a few short years.
0: Oh, it sure has. You know, uh, when I got hired with the majors, it was like 8,000 hours, and I didn't have that many hours compared to everybody else. Uh, 8,000 hours now, you, you'd probably be a captain at a major right now. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. exactly. It, it's totally changed, which is great. I think it's exciting. It's an exciting time to get into it. Um, and I know we've had downturns in the past, but, you know, do it because you love it. And and one of the things that you'll find at something like a Flight Sim Expo is that you're going to find people that truly do love aviation, those are kind of... People, we want to stay in it and do it as a hobby, but also as a career. Uh, but Evan, this has been awesome having you on. Uh, the, you know, we've learned so much about simulators. There's, we could talk for hours and hours about this. I'd love to have you on the other podcast I do with the General Aviation podcast, just to how it benefits those folks in general aviation. But you know what? I hopefully I'll see you at the expo. Uh, and uh, I don't, I don't live too far away. I live right next to Sun and Fun. It's only if you're going to go to the expo, by the way, it's about an hour away from Sun and Fun. If you just went to that, uh, and of course from Tampa, you're just looking at you know about an hour and a half or so to get there. So, yeah. It's uh, very accessible, also if you're flying in, uh, flying on your benefits, if you're a regional airline pilot, you're getting ready for an interview, you're trying to become proficient, say you're you're getting ready for your upcoming training, uh, this is a great place to go, or if you're just someone who wants to go out there and network, have your business card, make sure you have your LinkedIn profile. Uh, I this, this, along with all those other air shows, like I keep saying, are great events to go to, and I can't wait to see it. Evan, I, I hopefully I'll, I'll get to see you there. Are you going to say hi to me if I'm there?
1: Uh we'll see. <laughs> I might be a little busy all weekend.
0: I, I am sure you're going to be super busy, you know, because <laughs> just like me over at the radio station, I, it was great to have you come by. And that, that was a, a terrific event. And, uh, you know, Bob, I can't wait to put, hear Bob Jacks out there at the with the safety program and all the other wonderful uh, exhibitors. And it's uh, just another thing that to, you know, help you enhance your career and also your flying life. So this has been awesome having you on, Evan. And, uh, again, how can they find out about this event?
1: yeah absolutely thanks for thanks for having me and definitely looking forward to catching up with you at the show for more information our website is www.flightsimexpo.com you can find us of course on facebook twitter and youtube and encourage people to reach out you know as I said before this really is we call ourselves North America's community driven flight simulation conference it comes from feedback from developers from attendees and from people so if you have any questions for us our email my phone number is all on the website I'm more than happy to chat flying anytime so for folks who have ideas and suggestions we'd love to hear that through social media through email and and feel free to give me a call too
0: it's been great having you on, man. It's been awesome talking about aviation. And next time we'll have you on just talk about the industry uh, where you are and uh, how things have changed and, uh, and just in general. But uh, one of the things I'd like uh, you, the listener, to do right now is is think about what you can do with a simulator or just uh, what you could do learning a little bit more about air traffic control through Vatsim. Or maybe think about networking and and what it can do to increase your possibility of getting hired. But when you're done with this, what I want you to do is go out there and do something today to move forward in your career. And and what that might be is just clicking on some of the links that we have here in the show notes. It's going out and talking to your friends. Hey, do you know much about simulators? But, But do something now. Do something today to move forward in your career. Well, folks, we'll talk to you next episode and safe flying.